Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we talk about this week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. In this week's episode, we are talking about the state of the African National Congress and how that impacts our national life. This off the back of the assertion by former president of the ANC and of the country, uh, Tabo Mbeki, that the collapse of the ANC would have dire consequences for the country. Is he right in that assertion, or is the ANC itself a threat to the well-being of the country and its people at this point? Our guests for the conversation are uh, Professor Spamanda Zondi, who teaches politics and international relations at the University of Johannesburg, as well as uh, Professor Susan Boysen, uh, who's the author of several books on the ANC, including Precarious Power, Compliance, and Discontent under Ramaphosa's ANC, and the other one being uh, the ANC and the regeneration of political power. With immediate effect. When people saw us, and I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Chaperson. Order, Chaperson. Point of order. Ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. So the ANC president was sabotaged again yesterday? Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Welcome to the both of you. Let, let us start with you, uh, Professor Poison. The, the, is the fate of the country that intertwined with that of the ANC? In, in, a, in so many respects, yes, absolutely. And it was intriguing to hear former President Becky talk about this in harsh reality words, in words that on the one hand it could be an indictment of the ANC, on the other hand it's a recognition of a reality that unlike former President Becky's words where he talked in the future tense is actually with us already. And in fact, the collapse, disintegration, weakening of the ANC has got a profound impact on daily political lives in South Africa. But that is not future tense. We see that political reality with us unfolding around us already. No, just think about the political electoral level and the fact that the ANC in last year's local government elections didn't quite muster in 70 very crucial municipalities to get outright majorities anymore. And that was a large increase on previous numbers. And we see that reflected in the ANC really not having done well in governance. And there, much of that reason was because the ANC is so divided, so fractioned, and so infiltrated by unsavory elements, including criminals, something else that Mbeki acknowledged. And so the weakening of this ANC is a reality that we're already experiencing. As we see many other aspects that Mbeki alluded to, criminality fused with the ANC, it is something, wake up call. ANC has been lamenting this since 1999. 
a national general council meeting policy conference that it had there. So it's ongoing continuous processes that we see assuming much more dire dimensions at this time, but it's a reality we're already living. Professor Zondi, Tabombeki was speaking as if, uh, 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 like Professor Boysen now says, that that eventuality is already happening. You know, the eventuality of of the ANC uh, collapsing or failing. Um, But he he seemed to to, to be talking about it as in the future tense, almost in a a distant future tense. Why, Why do you think that he couched uh, his his his, uh, his his statement in that way. I think it it must be because um, we already know that the ANC is in decline, but perhaps not uh, really collapsing. Um, and that decline is a slow decline that may at some point mean losing five percent biggest uh, of votes uh, sliding downwards. But it, it's very clear that the ANC will still exist for a while. If you simply just look at how it has declined to close to 50% in Gauteng over a period of about 15 years, what does it mean for it to decline to that level in Limpopo, in Northwest, in Free State, uh, in Pumalanga, where it is still in the high 60s, in some cases above 70, in terms of the electoral power? And, uh, and given that, it still is a name that draws a lot. Uh, so its electoral decline is not always uh, meshed by the decline of hope in it. And uh, even anger against it is sometimes a signal of disappointment by those who hope in it, which means they are significant. Uh, so the ANC as a brand, the ANC as a name, and may be distinguished from the ANC as an electoral uh, party. Uh, the decline is happening across the board, but at least more sharply in the, in, in the ANC as an electoral um, platform than it is as a, a political platform, as a cultural platform, as a historical platform, as a legacy platform, uh, and all of those kinds of things. So, he, he is warning about something that still can be arrested, uh, warning about something that still can be recovered. And that is why the things he points out are, have very little to do with the ANC as an electoral platform, things like uh, auditing membership, because the size of ANC membership has very little to do with its uh, electoral performance. The electoral performance has to do with, its, with the institutional machinery, with its campaign capacity, uh, with its the, the funding and stuff. But this one about the quality of membership is to do with its standing, with its stature, with its uh, image and stuff. So he's advising that that must be rescued, even as you continue to contest the elections the way you want to contest them. He, he is from a different generation of, of ANC leaders. Um, and I was wondering, just listening to him, whether in his mind he's envisioning the ANC as it used to be when he was a, a young person uh, working in exile, being like the, 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 the rising star or the risen star, etc., uh, when the ANC had that kind of, uh, a lot of kind of um, moral capital, if you like, 
uh, whether he, he, he in his mind he had that ANC or whether he had the current ANC, you know, where people get, you know, get shot up in ANC branches, at party branches. What, 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 which ANC do you think he, he's talking about when he says that our fate is linked to the ANC? So I, I think he, he, he's, uh, he, he's, of course, a, a child of the ANC of the 1960s and 70s and 80s when he was very active. And, and that ANC might be said to be different from the ANC of the pre-1960s. Uh, so he is, 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 is perhaps envisaging the ANC um, that had ambition to be a, a liberation movement that is rooted in, uh, in people, um, uh, that is rooted in a, a broad uh, national democratic agenda, and, um, and, uh, and, and ANC uh, that was united because it, it had a common enemy, and the struggle was quite heated. Uh, he might be harking back to that, but that is what the, the ANC today inherited. That's the image it inherited. And part of it is also its strength that it has been able to maintain, even with poor performance as a governing party, but ANC as a symbolism of something uh, to do with fighting imperialism in the world and and fighting for the uh, self-determination of, of Africans and Black people generally, um, that the ANC, I think, is harking back to, and perhaps that the ANC, they know to have succeeded to a relative, to, in relative terms, and it makes sense why you would be arguing for that ANC to be revived, because the ANC in the future, which is a different ANC, perhaps it's not very attractive uh, because uh, its it, it track record is not known, uh, because its ability to dominate society would not be known until then. Uh, it is totally natural that politicians look backwards uh, for inspiration uh, as they navigate the difficult today. Professor Poison, the, 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 this, this uh, uh, idea or, or the phraseology that says the party is too big to fail, could, could it be misunderstood by some ANC members? you know, and, and, and gender a kind of arrogance, mm-hmm. political arrogance in a sense. Yes, indeed. And I completely agree with Sipamanda as well. And these two points go together. In order to give the ANC, afford the ANC, any chance whatsoever to re-emerge from its current declined position, to put it here very euphemistically, the ANC and here Tabu Mbeki was really trying to do that, create, recreate this imagery of the ANC as all-powerful, almighty, this colossus that is in control of the state that has all this power, that can do things for people. Yes, absolutely, for starters, deliver on all those liberation ideas, but in a present tense, even just um, deliver basic services. So Mbeki has to, and the ANC, they have to build on this image and keep this image of the ANC as powerful, alive in the minds of their followers, of which the voters are just one, just one, one portion. So it is absolutely essential to 
get the idea that the ANC is still powerful because if they don't succeed in propagating that and getting people to believe in that, then its, it's following is going to collapse even faster than could decline has been up to now because people nowadays to a much larger extent than the noble liberation and struggle and self-sacrificial periods. It's following nowadays is much more about what this party can do for people, um, what benefits, even sometimes what corrupt benefits can be delivered in return. So it is absolutely essential for the ANC to hang on to this idea and to try to let its followers see or believe that this remains a phenomenal big party. And for sure, of course, even if the ANC has declined very much electorally and party politically, it remains by far the biggest political party and opposition parties have not quite been stepping into that space, do not offer viable alternatives even to a very weakened ANC. So that is part of the reality that the ANC indeed remains big and powerful and far bigger than other political bodies. But the current realities that we see unfolding around us show indeed that the ANC is not too big to fail. And it is delusional, it is dangerous for followers and leadership of the ANC to foster or try to foster that kind of belief, because next thing people will again rest on laurels, continue resting on laurels in many respects, and not do what is necessary, not realize that the ANC is truly in, in grave danger. And unless its followers realize that, it is not going to rally around to rebuild the ANC, to use a phrase that is used far too often, the rebuilding and renewal theme in ANC leadership circles. Uh, uh, Professor Zondi, could could uh, the the size and and influence uh, of the ANC uh, inversely actually be our problem? In in other words, because it touches so many parts of South African life, when it fails, uh, whether you know, uh, Professor Boyson has been talking about issues of service delivery and certain government performance. When it fails, the impact is so much larger than if it were another party failing. Could, could the size of the party actually, in, a, in an inverse way, actually be part of the problem? Uh, that is what the, the ANC owes to society, the, the confidence that uh, society placed on it for a long period of time, um, especially during the struggle, and the confidence that people continue to place in it, uh, even as it was dismally uh, failing uh, after the, the struggle. It, it, it owes it to that society that it should uh, not fail, or if it fails, it should not um, uh, bring the, the society with it. it, it there is no case saying that uh, the, the ANC is widely entrenched in society. It's the most common political name people know, the most common political home people have had. It has trained them. It has a huge influence on our political system. It's very clear, even in our parliament, which, uh, which parties come from the ANC because they reflect the ANC way, they reflect the ANC language, the ANC policies, the ANC way of, of doing things. The ANC is really just definitely everywhere. 
uh, when the ANC has internal troubles, you will see how it spills over to society. The riots in Durban last year almost brought our economy down. Those were internal ANC things. Now, if the ANC were to collapse and collapse in a way that is fractious and, um, and explosive, we should not undermine the possibility of uh, destabilizing society, destabilizing other structures in society that are linked to the ANC. A lot of traditional leadership, for example, systems are linked to the ANC, influenced by the ANC very strongly after 94. A lot of NGOs, especially those that are critical that are with the grassroots, are linked to the ANC one way or the other. They have this uh, love and hate relationship to this day, trade unions and all. The impact is much more potentially serious than we sometimes dismiss the thing. So Mbegi might be correct there in saying uh, when the ANC um, uh, collapses or explodes and all that, it will affect society. We we have suffered the consequences of it in Pulugwana. Uh, it it changed so much. It 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 changed so much. Uh, uh, for bad mostly uh, in government in society. It really really divided society. Those were internal ANC things spilling over to society. So we cannot underestimate that if it if if the impact was so severe when the the, the, the troubles were less than very explosive. What happens when there's a complete implosion and big explosion of the ANC? The impact will be felt by society, but we just hope that society will have the resilience it has to look beyond the ANC, because this argument must not be used to say the ANC must be kept alive at all costs. The ANC must earn the trust of the people, the faith of the people of South Africa and, and, and society. Uh, it it does not it is not owed by the people it owes the people of south africa um it, uh, uh, all that it needs to do so it should not behave like uh, it is entitled uh, to blind support from everyone it has to work for it it has to show it it has to change its behavior it has to perform better it has to lead stronger it has to get rid of all the ills it has it has to act more honestly and more justly and then earn the vote of the people and earn the confidence of the people. Otherwise, it will be justified to, to die, as its former uh, Deputy President Mutante uh, uh, once said. Professor Poison, one of the things that uh, Tabon Beke mentioned as a problem uh, in, the, in the ANC is money, the, the role of money. Now, is, 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 is money the source of the problem or is, is it a necessary evil in, in not just ANC politics, but our politics generally today? Money is certainly a huge problem. And that is part of the problem that I was referring to just now with the ANC ever since 1999. I'd been lamenting that cadres join the ANC not for the sake of what they can do for the ANC or for the people in South Africa, but for themselves. And those selfish reasons more often than not relate to money to contracts, to procurement, to tenders, all of those related phenomena. And then also people who are deployed in the state who very often 
and deployed by the ANC, but who are really there for, for salaries and benefits and for how they can leverage influence to make others rich rather than doing it in, in, in their interests for the sake of service and serving the people. So I think money is a huge problem in the ANC. And ironically, it has also become a huge problem for the ANC that now that the Party Political Funding Act is in place, it cannot even fund its own operations anymore. So in many different respects, money is a huge problem. It's a problem that is continuously unfolding. It is not something in the future. It is something that is all around us much other time and it really unfortunately defines so much of the ANC. The, it is absolutely true that the ANC actually owes it to society to do better and to show that it can rise above this quote-unquote curse or not necessarily in quote marks but this curse of money because it is has been affecting the ANC's stature in the state. The ANC has lessened hold of the state institutions. So it is not just in the future tense, it is as reality that is already unfolding, causes much of it money in the background, but it's also ANC organizationally, how the leadership is holding this organization together and how it's guiding it. Yes, here Tabum Becky was trying to guide the ANC by holding out the image of what the ANC is, but not recognizing, acknowledging sufficiently that it is already in a much declined stage. And that in the process, the ANC has been losing control, effective control over much of the state institutions. And we see that in policing, in crime, in rioting, in protests, in home affairs, in the state security apparatuses. And this is not an ANC that is evidence of the ANC that is still powerful and is in charge. And we need to be persuaded, and it is the big task of the ANC, we need to be persuaded that the ANC still has that ability to rejuvenate and rebuild itself. Professor Zondi, uh, uh, Professor Boysen says that uh, Tabombeki was trying to, to guide, to use her words, to guide the ANC. Now, I'm, I'm intrigued that um, it, it looks like uh, the, 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 the ANC members or some of them are falling back on someone like Tabombeki uh, to almost restate the ANC's historical, historical policy positions and values. Why can't the current leadership do that? Uh, it, it is only natural that um, the, uh, those who, who see a possibility of rescuing the ANC from the abyss um, have to look for inspiration in history. Uh, it just happens with political movements quite a lot. Um, so they will recall great uh, leaders of the past and use perhaps their spirit to inspire the, the current uh, crop uh, to move in a particular direction that is seen as wise, as seen as perhaps morally correct, or as seen as uh, pragmatically uh, useful. Uh, it is quite common. It's often... Uh, involves leaders who passed away. In this case, the NC realizes that it still has former leaders who are still alive, that it could do that. It has tended to use two of them, two of the three that, uh, that exist 
uh, former president. Uh, that is Mutante and uh, Mpegi because of the perception that they have some moral ground uh, likely higher than perhaps the other president, which is President Zuma, um, uh, to, to use in order to unite the ANC around a certain uh, kind of morally uh, or assumed to be morally uh, um, um, pure uh, ground uh, path uh, going forward. And, and it makes it always makes sense that it, it has to look for what still is possible, still can inspire something uh, in, in, its, uh, in its ranks in order to, to inspire. The current leadership has that mandate to try and inspire this new direction now more through practical policy action in government and outside government. It does seem to be struggling uh, to, to do that. There's still just too many uh, challenges, uh, too little decisive action, uh, especially on corruption uh, uh, and, and dealing with uh, incompetent leaders and uh, dealing with failures, um, uh, often failures uh, of, of, of the related to political will and so on uh, to inspire. If, the, if that the leadership in power right now, we're using their instruments of power uh, to redeem the ANC, to signal to everyone that there is a new ANC that has arisen, as it, it sought to say in the first uh, few months after the, its election, then the work of Mbegi, Mutante and others would be cut out because they would be simply reinforcing in words, in inspiration, what is already being done in action. Mm. Hey, hey, Professor Poison, they, they, you might be able to assist us here. They, there was a reference in uh, former President Mbeki's uh, presentation to enemy agents. What, 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 what could he have been talking about there? He says the enemy agents may even have brought the money into the party. Yes, and the counter-revolutionaries, yes. That will remain a mystery, but maybe coming from Mbeki, it is not a mystery. Because we know he and the Zuma camp are really arch enemies. And so it is probably... I, if I have to say he referred to XYZ, I would say he referred to former President Zuma and those followers that are still so active in the ANC and that the Ramaphosa people have not been able to exercise from the ANC and they remain a continuous thorn in the flesh. They don't hesitate to destabilize the Ramaphosa ANC, they don't hesitate to point to all kind, every possible contradiction in the Ramaphosa camps, utterances, projects, campaigns. So my guess would definitely be that that is what Taubenbeke referred to on this occasion. Professor Zondi, they, they, like, like the language, such as uh, enemy agents, counter-revolutionaries, it sounds almost like uh, uh, before the fall of the Berlin Wall kind of language. <laughs> it's like from a, an, an era long past, it sounds like, you know. Did, did you understand him in the same way? <laughs> yes, definitely. It, would, uh, it, 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 it is uh, framed 
uh, by ideological contestations um, that uh, divide between those who see a possibility of a socialist, social democratic revolution and, and those who see the path more towards more liberal, gradual uh, reform. Uh, so the path between transformation and reform. Um, that, those ideological uh, differences did not die. And the things around uh, um, uh, Ukraine just right now and, and Russia, uh, the stuff at the WTO, the difficulties on vaccine, vaccine nationalism and all that, all point to the fact that those ideological divides did not die. So it's not an old angle. It's a very current angle, partly because the divide remains and partly because the conditions that gave rise to that divide have not ended. So an ideological, this ideological contestation are not artificial, but they are a product of the realities that are there. Until the realities change, it's unlikely that uh, you will have what has been called the end of ideology and the beginning of, beginning of pragmatism. Uh, and South Africa is pretty much divided on ideological ground too. Um, so the concept of counter-revolution, that is, is really simply uh, to mean there are those for the revolution and there are those who are counter the revolution. And indeed, it is true. Uh, if you picked up uh, in the uh, in talk shows and there that there are people who are completely opposed to the idea of a revolution, uh, whatever revolution it might be, the socialist revolution, social democratic revolution, national democratic revolution, or any of those revolutions, there are people who are just opposed to the idea of a revolution completely, and therefore opposed to the idea of transformation and more uh, in tune with more gradual reform as a way. So I think speaking to that, uh, and it's also um, colors the ANC language right through. It colors the, uh, the language of the PAC, the language of Azapo, the language of EFF. It's very present in the, even in, the, in, the, in many um, other parties, especially on the left. There's constant signal that the, the desire is not just a democracy but it's a revolution, a fundamental change of society and of economy and so on. And, and then also on the other side, those who think that the, the desire is a democracy and all that we need to do is to make democracy more efficient. Professor Poison, I'm going to leave the last word to you as we're just about running out of time. But I have to ask you this. Can, can I mean, especially because we're in the elective conference here, can the ANC stay united and survive? I wish um, the, I could really authoritatively answer that because we wait, we see little bits of evidence unfolding around us. And all we can do is interpret those bits of evidence that we have around us at the moment. And I do not see that unity coming up. You know, the ANC has an intense consciousness at this stage that unless it unites, it will not survive. But it also knows it can 
cannot split again because if it splits again anyway, for example, that it lost the EFF faction or that it lost the COPE people, then it will automatically slide to below a 50% majority. And if ANC goes below a 50% majority, outright majority nationally, I doubt whether it will survive because people go for power and they want to associate with a political party that can really do things for them. And these divisions within ANC run so deep and we see Dabenbeke's intervention. It doesn't, it does, did not have sufficient gravitas, I think, to make it fly. I don't think it was strong enough to persuade the factions to hang together. And it is not even for, as the way I see it, a question of reconciling ideological factions. Ideology in ANC has been used as a veil, as a cloak to hide interpersonal differences and power struggles. And those power struggles will be there with the ANC going, moving forward. It is not just the two factions nowadays, there are many sub-factions and those groupings come together, but the it is a base division between the Ramaphosa people and the Zuma people, as it was between the Mbeki people and the Zuma people. And those divisions we have seen historically in the ANC, they do not go away, and the ANC cannot go move forward with these intense factional contestations inside the ANC. And it cannot rid itself of those divisions. So I think the kind of reality that we're experiencing now of a gradually, incrementally declining, fading ANC, we do not yet have sufficient evidence that it, there is a counter trend that is strong enough to eliminate that and to deliver one united ANC. Mm. Well, folks, this is where we wrap it up uh, on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly this week. And I'd like to thank our guests uh, for the for today's conversation. Uh, Professor Spaman Zondi, who teaches politics and international relations at the University of Johannesburg, as well as Professor Susan Boysen, who's the author of several books on the ANC, including Precarious Power, Compliance and Discontent under Ramaphosa's ANC, and the ANC and the Regeneration of Political Power. And by the way, for a podcast of this conversation, you can go to iono.fm, to Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do remember to stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. <laughs>